Hey guys, it's Shawnee and welcome back to Lawless Scotland and another episode of The Court Roundup. Before we start, I want to ask you guys a wee favour, please. If you can leave a review anywhere that you listen to the podcast, I would super, super appreciate it. Also, I am on Instagram and Twitter, Lawless Scotland, all one word. So if you want to head over there and give me a follow, you'll see all the pictures from every episode. And I also get chatting to people on there as well. And I would love to talk to you guys. So please give me a follow and a review. I would super, super appreciate it. Thanks. Here's something weird that I heard this week. I don't even know how I came across it, actually. I was probably like just scrolling through Twitter, seen something, clicked on it, clicked on something else, and that led me down this path of discovering this person that I'd never heard of called Juice World. Now, I'm 100% positive that people will know who this person is, and it is just me in my little bubble of ignorance that has no clue who this guy was. But I believe he was a rapper and he was American for sure um so but I believe he was a rapper okay but I just found out like how he died and I was just like this is a bit crazy like so this guy was in an airplane going from the Van Nuys airport in LA to Chicago but the police or law enforcement officers were like tipped off that they thought that this private jet was carrying a load of guns and drugs so the people were waiting for him in Chicago to get off the plane. Federal agents were waiting for him. They went onto the plane and they found three handguns and 32 kilograms of marijuana on the aircraft. They also stated that several members of Juice World's management team had told them that he had taken several unknown pills, allegedly swallowing Percocet pills in an attempt to hide them from the police when they were on board searching the luggage. And unfortunately, because he'd done this, he began convulsing and seizing. He had to get rushed to hospital with a suspected opioid overdose. And that's where he was unfortunately pronounced dead. But I just thought that, do we still live in a world where, like, rappers are all drugs and guns? Like, I thought that that, like, was back in the Tupac, Biggie Smalls, like, back then. Or am I just too old now that I don't even know what's going on in the world? And actually, it completely is still that world of drugs and guns and overdoses and everything but I'm just completely blind to it now that I'm older and I don't know these rappers or listen to them and I'm not saying that they're bad in any way or anything it's just I, I don't listen to that type of music naturally if a song comes on that I like then I like it but I mean that's not my genre chosen genre of music that is not it so it's just ignorance on my part but it wasn't long at all it was just just before Christmas last year and I just think wow like honestly shocked me a little bit because I really didn't think that it was still that world of like private planes with guns and drugs yeah shows shows me doesn't it shows me because I had no idea 
So anyway, moving on, because that's not really why we're here to talk about. That was just something that I came across this week that I found mind-blowing. So today what I want to talk about is this case that I found about a murder that happened in Castle Milk in Glasgow. The victim, Hader Hayat, 49, dad of five, was found brutally murdered in his flat in April 2019. Hader, his wife, Saima Hayat, 34, Mohammed Raf, 42, and his wife, Sahida Abid, 33, were all in Hayat's flat in Castlemilk. Now, before the murder happened, CCTV showed that in the flat, Abud was making cutthroat gestures towards Hader and his wife was making stabbing motions in both eyes and then to her stomach. Shortly after this, the CCTV was cut. Now, the CCTV in the flat covered every room and every room was cut just minutes after these motions were being made. A downstairs neighbour was woken at 3am with loud noises and made an audio recording of the brutal murder. The tape lasted five minutes. She added in court that it sounded like the air was being forced out of his lungs. Police were not called to the flat until two hours later at 5am when they walked into an absolute horror scene. Two women were tied up and they made accusations that Hader and three intruders had tied both women up and eight children and injected them with chemicals. They said that Raf, Abbott's husband, had came and saved them by killing Hader. The two women and the children were taken to the hospital but nothing was found to be wrong with any of them. Pathologists found the cause of death to Hader was blunt force injury. There was in the region of at least a hundred blows to the head and neck by a hammer and they had slashed his throat 16 times with a knife. He suffered multiple fractures to his skull as well as a broken jaw and cheekbone. Raf also stated that he had attacked Hader because he made remarks about his wife and his mum. He said, I was very angry. I don't know what happened or how many times I struck him. When I came back to my senses, I was on top of him. My hand was over his mouth. There was blood everywhere. If I hadn't done anything, he would have killed me and my children. I had no intention of killing anyone. It was just an accident. Alright, mate. No way is that just an accident. No way is a hundred blows to the head and neck and 16 times slashed with a knife across the throat as an accident. I'm sorry. You fall off a ladder. That is an accident. You stumble into the street and get hit by a car. That is an accident. You don't stab someone 16 times and blow them to the head with a hammer a hundred times, at least a hundred times, because they actually said, the pathologist actually said that they couldn't determine the exact amount of injuries caused by the hammer because there was so many. So, no. Plus, their story at this point isn't even adding up because the women were both tied up and then said that they had been injected with chemicals, but... Nothing was found at all in the hospital. They tested them for all sorts of poisons and nothing came back. There was no notable injuries to them at all. It was actually suggested in court that Hader was asleep at the time of the attack. And that also leads me to think that what he said here is 
If I hadn't have done anything, he would have killed me and my children. Raph was not even mentioned to be there at the time when the women were being tied up and women and children were apparently being ejected with chemicals. They said that if he hadn't arrived and killed him, it would have been worse. So nothing's adding up to me. Neither Abed or Hayat gave any evidence in court. So the two wives, neither of them gave evidence in court. And all three were noted to show no emotion throughout the whole trial. And even when they were all sentenced, they also showed no emotion. During the trial, Hayat claimed that she had to flee from the family home in Warrington in England for a new life in Glasgow because Hader bet her. But Hader's brother came forward and said that it was actually she that was assaulting Hader and showed the jury photos of the injuries that he had gotten from her in the past. So again, it's not really adding up for them. And what's also pretty crazy about this whole story is that this happened only hours after the family, the Hayat family, had been on a family holiday in Blackpool. And then hours later, Hader is brutally attacked and murdered in his own home. What? I mean, on top of the fact that their story isn't very well put together, the fact that the CCTV cut out in the home makes it suspicious as well. And there was no sign of intruders or anything via that. Also, they were caught on CCTV making the gestures that obviously point to something sus and clearly premeditated. But then their story after the murder doesn't add up in any way, shape or form either. So I don't know how they were ever going to get away from this. It boggles the mind. It, it honestly boggles the mind. But I mean, thank God that neighbour had recorded the audio of the murder because I think that really gave the jury something to like make them emotionally connect with the case in my opinion because that was played out to them and apparently it was like really well recorded that you could basically hear everything that was happening to the guy and it was just stated to be like super eerie in court and I think that really affected the jury so but then I also kind of think to myself as well why did she record at three o'clock in the morning and then not call the police now she stated that it sounded like all the air was getting pushed out his lungs she must have known something dodgy was going on so why on earth didn't she call the police because the police weren't called until two hours later and it was Raph, I think, that called the police, possibly. If you heard all that coming from your upstairs neighbours, would you not phone the police? I think I would. But again, it's, I mean, she's not really done anything wrong. It's just, yeah, it's just crazy. And I suppose it wouldn't have made any difference anyway because the poor guy was already dead by that point, sustaining all the injuries. Mohammed Raph was sentenced to life in prison to serve 24 years before, like, obviously being able to apply for parole. And both of the two wives, Abed and Hayat, they got 25 years and six months until they would be eligible for parole. So, I mean, quite lengthy sentences as well, which is pretty good, but yeah. 
they were sentenced on March 2019. So jumping forward to something from this week, a man called Peter Cameron has pled guilty to one charge of attempted murder and one charge of assault to severe injury and permanent disfigurement. And he was found guilty of another charge of attempted murder. Um, this was on the 13th of May 2020 that he was sentenced. This incident took place on the 8th of November 2018 outside the Apex Hotel on the Grass Market in Edinburgh. And charges 1 and 2 are related to two female victims who were friends and colleagues and they both worked as senior medical nurses. They were visiting on a weekend break, staying at the Apex Hotel. His third victim worked at the hotel as a night porter. After returning to the hotel from a night out, the two female friends went outside to have a smoke at the designated area. This is located on the Veno at the side of the hotel. The area is covered by CCTV cameras as well, so that just provided like clear footage of what actually happened in the incident. He can be seen on CCTV in the grass market near the entrance to the Veno. He suddenly turns into it and approaches the two women. He goes and stands directly over the second victim who is crouching down, leaning back against the wall of the hotel, and he appears to be pretty threatening towards them in the CCTV. The first victim tells him on multiple occasions to move on and leave them alone, but he walks out of the venal and suddenly a moment later returns towards the first victim and he attacks her. In a matter of a couple of seconds, he's stabbing her repeatedly on the head and neck and body with a knife. That's when the night porter, Mr Robertson, comes out to the side door of the hotel to help the first victim and she manages to escape back inside the hotel. At this point, this is when he attacks her friend who was still crouching down outside and he stabs her twice in the face. At this point, Mr Robertson tries to stop him and Peter struck him with the knife and then ran off. All of the victims were severely injured and left with permanent disfiguration and both women were completely terrified and left traumatised, no doubt, because that is horrific. There's been so many times that I've been in a great night out with a friend, either in Glasgow or Edinburgh, we do it quite often, and I would dread to think of anything like this happening to any of my friends or anyone that I knew just out having a great night, end of the night, you're outside, chilling out, and then next minute this random guy walks up to you and starts stabbing you. Like, what on earth? What the hell? That's absolutely fucking crazy, if you ask me. But it could have happened to anyone, clearly, because this just seemed like a random vicious attack. So the first girl had 10 stab wounds to her neck and body, and it is so lucky that she's alive. Like, 10 and she lives that's i mean so lucky the second girl had two stab wounds which basically disfigured her face and that's so sad it's so sad it was said in sentencing by the judge she said this was a frenzied and shocking attack on three separate people which came from nowhere you did not dispute at your trial your attack on your first victim was a murderous one. 
and the jury was satisfied the attack on her and her friends, the second victim, was also a murderous attack. There is no background and no reason for this wicked attack. There is nothing to excuse your conduct. Amen. So this guy did have like quite a lengthy criminal record as well and it kind of showed the judge and jury like a pattern of serious violence. He had two previous high court convictions. The first in 2005 for an assault and that was the first in 2005 for assault to the danger of life of your partner by strangulation and a further separate assault involving the presentation of a knife and then in 2012 for attempted extortion involving the use of a machete and for an assault which consisted of gouging the victim's eyes. I don't even think I can say anything about that. What? So Peter has a lot of like neglect and trauma from his childhood and since he was a teenager he's basically been a major alcoholic and right into his drugs too been homeless for a long period of his life as well so this guy comes from a bit of a dodgy background as well but that's no excuse for his behavior on this occasion i mean no just that doesn't even make it sound that serious just his behavior that is no excuse for what the hell he did that day that's no excuse so this guy has also been given an order for lifelong restriction which we talked about previously and his punishment part of his sentence which is the period that he must spend in prison before he's entitled to be considered for release is a fixed period of six years but we know from the previous case we did with a lifelong restriction that he basically can't assume that he'll be automatically released at the end of the six years. It'll all depend on his behaviour, whether they still deem him a risk to society, that kind of thing. Basically, that's just the minimum time that he must spend in jail before they can even review the case and see whether or not they can release him. He's not got any maximum on his sentence, so he could be in jail for God knows how long. That sentence has been put back to the 9th of November 2018 as well so yeah I mean that's two pretty gruesome crimes in our little court roundup of things that I have discovered this week I mean usually I do well usually I want to do in the court roundup just things that have happened recently in the last month or couple of weeks but with the Muhammad Raf case the one that we covered to begin with I just found it randomly on the internet I just thought this needs to be spoken about because this is clear three people premeditated murder for god knows what reason as well because it did not even come out in court what happened and then the second one obviously that was convicted this week or yesterday as of when I'm recording because this is the 14th of May and this happened yesterday the 13th of May and again Just another, like, random attack of pure randomness. Like, there's nothing else I can say. I can't even string words together properly for you because that could literally have been anyone on the street. We have all been in the situation when we're out on a girls' night out, standing chatting away outside your hotel or on your way to the hotel, and then just to think that some random guy could come up to you and completely 
overthrow your life for no apparent reason. So both of these cases are things that have happened for no apparent reason. Now, clearly the one with the family, there would have been a motive. The motive for Peter? Who knows? Who knows? Why do people do bad things? Do you know? Because I don't, so that's about it. Thanks for tuning in to this little mini episode. Remember, drop us a review wherever you're listening and why not send me in some crazy stories if you've got any because I would love to do in the court roundup small episodes anything that you guys have that you might want to share with people if you have a, a story of somewhere close by to you or whatever. I'm not bothered, I like to read emails. So lawlessscotland at gmail.com for anyone wanting to send me anything in and I'll see what I can do with it. Remember to buy Instagram and all that jazz. So see you later guys. Thanks so much. Bye.